Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. And I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. Now, they've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Welcome to the new year with Chuck Bono, Julie Hayden, True Straight Up, the Chuck and Julie Show, brought to you by AmericasCitizenPress.com and Denver Cenogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Hope everybody had a great New Year's Eve. Um, we, we party till dawn. No, actually... We watched movies till 10, um, 10, 10 p.m. And then call it, call it even. Um, years ago, we used to um, celebrate, this is fun, particularly if you have kids. In um, Ireland, New Year's Eve hits at five o'clock Denver time. Right. And before COVID, when you had to wear masks and stuff like that, we would go down to some bars in downtown Denver that were Irish, Irish bars. bars yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. So then we could come home and go to bed by nine. So that was <laughs> even better. Um, every year, I think, oh, that's, that's going to do something fun and exciting. And then every year it's like, eh, yeah. that's snowing and everything. But anyway, welcome to everybody. Um, Lots of reasons I think 2022 is going to be a great year. We'll be talking about that. Um, We're going to be talking about Liz Cheney. And this is, oh, I guess we should say, happy January 6th Insurrection Week. The Democrats have a series of happy, fun events planned for (laughs) all of that. And we also um, want to talk about, we watched the doctor, or listened and read the Dr. Robert Malone interview with Joe Rogan. And so we wanted to go through some of the main points there because it's long. It's about 43 pages long. To save you the trouble, we can tell you some of the highlights. But first, we talked to her on Friday where she was doing a great job and we have her with us again. I'm Laurel Eimer, a Republican candidate for CD7. Hey, Laurel, Happy New Year. Hi, how are you guys? We're, We're just good. Doing great. We're good. Yeah. We're go- well, I'll go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, Weston, her son, asked me if I'd endorse uh, Laurel. And they, previously, I'd been the head of, of CD7, uh, the executive committee representative, and I couldn't um, endorse anyone. But I'm happy to say, now that, that my term has ended, that I absolutely do endorse Laurel Imer for, for um, uh, CD, CD7. For CD7. I mean, she's one of the few people that whatever you need for her, she's there. Whenever you, you need to make a tough decision or make a tough call, she makes it. And she's gotten now an establishment candidate in, in Eric Audlin. And I don't mind Eric. We've had Eric on the program. But Tom Trancredo was asking if he'd change his uh, endorsement. He said, no, my endorsement is, is Laurel Eimer. So that's Me too, great. Laurel, by the way. I always endorse you. So <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So you'll yeah. have to bear with me. My voice is a little froggy. I, I uh my whole family is sick. We all got sick this weekend, so um, oh. my voice is a little a little rough. So I apologize for that. But no, I didn't we'll want to miss do- the time with you guys. No, we'll just we'll keep you on short. It was all that partying on New Year's Eve, Laurel. I think it's like well that that might have that might have been it. Yeah, we all yeah <laughs> we had three people come over. Everybody was, you know, it's amazing. I've, I'm a Colorado native, uh, fourth generation Colorado native, but it surprises me how people forget to drive once it finally snows. They act oh. like they're, you know, newbies, right. which most of our state is newbies these days, and right. they don't have a clue how to drive in the weather, and so everybody was scared to come out, so we had three oh. people plus my family show up, but we had a wonderful little time. <laughs> All go. right, well, that's there good. Go. We didn't drive, although we went out to dinner, I guess. With I will say that. Yeah, yeah, we went to AOC. No. Um, well, you know, I know <laughs> on, fr- on Friday, um, I gave you kudos for taking the last day, essentially, of a financial quarter where you're supposed to be raising money for yourself for your candidacy and you were taking time out to raise money for other people for the fire. So I I just think that's a kind of thing where actions speak so much louder than words. Um, Everybody else came out and said how sad they were about the fire. You were actually doing something and frankly, probably doing so uh, perhaps at a little bit of expense of your own candidacy. So that's a kind of thing. I think you're the kind of person we need in Washington, D.C. But real quick, since w- why don't you tell people um, a little bit about yourself um, and, and what you're running on? Yeah. And, and yeah, what exactly? Okay. Well, yeah. And let me and let me just take a second to to talk about what we did on Friday. We so we did um, we opened up three locations for donations on Friday. Um, we are literally so overwhelmed at two of our locations, the one in Lakewood and the one in Golden, that we've had to shut those sites down temporarily because we 
cannot absorb anymore. Um, and so we're asking people to just hold those donations while we evaluate and um, position ourselves in the right way so that we can get those to the to the most appropriate place. One of the things that you'll learn about me is that I am very transparent in what I do, and I also want to make sure that I'm doing the best for my individual families and constituents on the ground. I do not support large mega organizations that don't um, actually do what they say they're going to do. And so none of these donations will go through an organization like the Red Cross or any of those things. These are going to go directly to the people who need it on the ground, putting a face to a face, a family to a family, and a friend to a friend, because that's how we, that's how I work. And so I want to make sure that people understand that. And that is huge because one thing, you know, I covered the Red Cross and not to take away, the Red Cross does a great job at what they do. But when you donate to the Red Cross, it just goes into a general pile, right? And so, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that money is spent on whatever, not that they're not spending money on this. I don't mean to imply that, but like you said, it it may go to the people at the Marshall Fire. It may not. I mean, it just goes into a- a Right, it may go to a Kentucky, may go to hurricane victims and I feel sorry for them too. But but my my concern is, is my state my constituents, and these aren't even my constituents, these people that are affected, although this, this fire did encroach on the edges of CD7 at the top edge of Jefferson County and then Broomfield County, which would now comprise the new 7th Congressional District. Um, that's not the point. These are my, these are fellow Coloradans. These are fellow citizens in my state. And um, I think that that's been a disconnect. I was, we were on the phone this morning with, um, Boulder Emergency Management and talking to them about what we're doing, facilitating with them so that, again, these things go to the right place. And we asked, point blank, where is Jonah Goose? He's the CD2 representative. He was handpicked by Jared Polis to replace him. Um, Where is he at? And they said, well, he hasn't been here. He's He's been there on the ground with, with the governor, but he's not doing anything on the ground. He's not active. He's not helping. He's another one of those either sitting representatives or candidates that are simply putting out a a warm and fuzzy post to say our prayers are with you. Well, prayers are great, but sometimes it takes actual action, and that's what I'm about, and that's what makes me different. Um, So, you know, moving forward, uh, the Congressional District 7 race is huge. It is a flippable race, a flippable opportunity for the first time in a decade. Um, With the new lines, we are now an eight-county district, making us the fourth largest district in the state. And then we do have small pockets of voters in four additional counties, El Paso, Weld County, Boulder County, and um, Adams County. Those are just small pockets of people. They're what they call um, precinct blocks. And they're just a handful of people. But that makes it actually a 12-county-wide district. So it's huge. And there's a lot of work to be done on the ground. And it's a huge population of people that we have to meet with. And the bulk of that population is in Jefferson County. And that has been um, difficult for those other counties to understand because it disenfranchises their vote right off the bat because the entire district can be won on the vote of Jeffco. What what is the Democratic-Republican breakdown at this point? Um, It's about 27.8% Republican is all. We're the lowest registration. And then I believe the Democrat is 33. And then the bulk of the district is independent which mirrors the same numbers as we do for the most part across the state, other than in hotbeds of like CD3 or CD4. But that's basically the same demographic of the state of Colorado as a whole, that we are heavily independent. What are you hearing? Um, Because I know you have been campaigning for this for a long time. Um, Unlike, and I like Eric Odlin too, but he kind of, he jumped from the U.S. Senate race to this race. Um, And good, you can do that. But I mean, you've been doing this for for years already now, right? You've, I mean, literally. Yeah, well, you said, you know, right out of the bat. Yeah, I I announced my candidacy for CD7 in March of 21. So I've been on the ground for almost a year now. It will be almost two years by the time of the election in November. And what are people telling you? What are, what are you hearing from folks? Well, I think that the biggest need, I think that generally when we talk about a congressional race, the thought process is that we're focusing on national issues, border security, infrastructure, jobs, um, things like that. But I think that during the time of the Wuhan Chinese virus, that things have shifted. And instead, these races, I believe, wholly are going to be won on local issues and involvement in local issues. And that's what I can tell you that I stand in a different position than the other candidates because I am actually on the ground 
with these local issues. Just like this fire issue, um, I'm on the ground with local people fighting to get school board candidates elected in this last election. I was on the ground and am on the ground fighting the Jefferson County Health Department and un, um, unauthorized vaccine mandates, mask mandates, tyranny that is being handed down to us from health departments and unelected bureaucrats. I'm on the ground fighting with homeschool parents at the Capitol to protect their children from vaccine mandates. I'm on the ground fighting with our Colorado patriots supporting police at things like the Back the Blue rally. I was there with you, Julie, last year when that happened to us in in 2020. Excuse me. So that's what makes me different than the other candidates is, yes, these national issues issues are important, and they're important to me. My number one most important issue is border security as it pertains to human trafficking. I believe in absolutely closing the border and finishing the wall. I absolutely believe in local economic success for jobs, no more outsourcing to global entities and keeping our jobs and our workers at home and supporting small businesses. And so those national issues are very, very important. But I believe this election is going to be turned on what is happening on the ground in our communities and our local school districts and how our moms and our dads and our children are being affected by tyranny every single day. You know, and Laurel, that's one of the other things that we've been, I've been watching you. I mean, I've known you since before you announced your candidacy. And one of the things I've always appreciated is, yeah, you're not just wandering around making speeches and issuing statements about national issues. You're actually at the school board meetings with the parents. You're actually protesting outside the Jeffco um, Health Department. I mean, you're actually there on the ground doing the work and the hard work. I mean, I don't know how you even do it. Every time I turn around, you're at a different event and you're there, right? And right. I mean, it's that kind of, and it's not, I mean, you're there and you're getting involved. You're not just there showing up for photo op because I've watched you over the years, right? You're there fighting for these issues. And I agree with you that yes, it's national issues, but I think even the national issues, it all starts local, right? How can we get jobs yeah. going if we're locked down because the stupid teachers are trying to keep in the health departments are saying, oh, we can't go to school. We just got an email email from our son's school saying it's all screwed up. I mean, from Friday to Monday, the CDC guidelines on quarantining changed again. Right. And we need, right. But they didn't like, change for the students. No, had nothing to do with students, Never nothing does. to do with the science either. Right? Uh, no, well, no, know, they changed of, for, they changed because the money, they changed because the money is being affected. This entire thing is about money and population control. It has nothing right. to do with health or safety or concern for our citizens. And if anybody, if you haven't figured that out yet, you're living under a rock because yeah. um, this has nothing to do with health. Nothing. One of the challenges you're going to be facing should you make the make the general election is going to be ballot harvesting because the governor will ballot harvest as hard as he can. Um, of course. And that'll help, um, and that'll help Perlmutter. And that'll help Perlmutter. Um, do you have sure. any thoughts on your own about ballot harvesting? Well, I've said for years that I think the Republicans should get in the game and maybe we should just park outside of nursing homes just like the Democrats, but we need to be there first. Um, you know, no, I, I don't agree with ballot harvesting. I'm going to, I don't. I think that um, I believe that every vote should count and every single individual vote should matter. And what we have to do is we have to remind people that that is the way that our system works. And um, we can talk about election fraud and we can talk about election integrity. The bottom line is that um, they're going to cheat. They've been cheating for decades. It's just that we finally figured it out. Some of us have known for a long time, but the masses have finally figured out that they're cheating. And so in order to combat their cheat, we have to get Republicans registered to vote. We have a lot of Republicans. Part of the reason that we're overrun with independents is because over the last five-year cycle, we've lost a lot of our good conservative Republicans because they're angry at the party, they're angry at the leadership, and they are disenfranchised. And so they have left the ballot and they've changed themselves to independent. We need those good conservative Republicans to come back to the party and understand that, unfortunately, we are a two-party system and it's the only way that we're going to win. And so we need them to register and we need them to vote. <clears throat> we, know that there are, we know that there are tons of untapped, unregistered voters in these districts, especially these rural districts. These are gun-loving patriots, property rights, and water issues are their main thing, and they're reclusive, right? And they don't want to engage with the government, and they want to be uninvolved, and they don't want to infringing on their, on their person. Well, I have news for them. 
The federal government has infringed upon them already and is coming for them. They're coming for their property, they're coming for their guns, and they're coming for their kids. And so if they don't stand up and register, it's going to be over. What do you say to the former head of the Republican Party and congressional man himself, Ken Buck, is that Colorado has a gold standard? (laughs) That's a joke. That's a joke. I mean, Ken Buck is one of the people that I've protested against for the last several years. I've been in that parking lot in Greenwood Village more times protesting against him where they have locked the doors and not allowed us to enter um, because they are afraid of us. They've called the police on us. Um, they don't, they are not concerned with, um, with free speech at all. Um, I think we have an opportunity potentially under new leadership. Um, I'm hopeful to give them a chance to show us something different. Um, there are some directions that they're going that I like. There are some that I don't, but I can tell you absolutely the last several years of leadership from Jeff Hayes to Ken Buck, um, were failed. And in Ken Buck's case, you can't serve two masters. And that's what he tried to do. And that is never effective leadership for anyone. And we need to remember that moving forward. You can't serve two masters. You have to make a choice as to where your allegiance lies, and you have to put yourself there. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, I guess I'll leave it up to you if you think anything has changed. Um, I, I guess, uh, you know, on the, on the positive side, um, they, they did get involved in local races to the greater extent they have before. So kudos for that. They did, and they have made and they have made some changes. I mean, they are engaging slightly better with candidates on the ground than they have before. Mm -hmm. There are some things that are positive. I'm trying to keep an open mind because I will always give everyone a chance. I am all about second chances, and I'm all about giving someone the benefit of the doubt until they've proven me, um, proven that I'm right. And so, until I know that for sure, I will give them the opportunity to prove. I think our biggest problem is is not even so much the state party as some of our county parties. Um, our county party leadership is in desperate need of help. Um, there's some really bad things going on in some of these counties, and that's unfortunate because that's where the bulk of the work to win races like these, of these local races, is done. And you have an example of that of what happened in Jeffco with the school boards. Um, right. Well, yeah, we Jeffco had no, no help from Jeffco, none. Yeah. Were you at the CD7 organizational meeting? Yes. And what did you think of that? It was a disaster and a disgrace. Okay. We're going to have to have you back and probe on that. Listen, we're going to let you go so you can get your voice back because I know you've got tons of stuff. I appreciate to do. it. Well, final great. question for you. Doing great. Where can people find out more about you? Where can people sign up to help, et cetera? Okay, so my website is laureleimerforcongress.com. You can also find us on Facebook there, Laurel Eimer for Congress, Twitter, um, Instagram. The most important thing that we need, I'm going to be honest, is money. Um, we hate to be that way, but it's the truth, especially now that we have a flip-flop candidate who has come into this race against us. Um, what he was able to do is he was able to take a national fundraising platform, raise money, plus he is self-funding, So that's telling you that he's willing to buy the election and buy his place on the ballot because he knows that he can't win by the vote of the people. So he's going to buy his way in, which is what good rhino politicians do. And and so we need money to combat that because now he's taken that national platform and that level of fundraising, and he's dumped it in on top of me. I am solely supported by the grassroots on the ground. That's it. I have no super PAC. We all know you're a multi-billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well you know it. That's why I work part that's why I work part time and take care of my mother the rest of the time and yes, you know, just spend my pennies wisely. But um I don't I w- even if I had the money to self fund, I don't um I understand maybe in a presidential race where that's done, like you know, Trump did that in sixteen. But I don't really believe in that because I believe that that just shows that you can just buy what you want. And I don't think that, that makes an effective leader either. You have to be chosen by the people. In addition to their vote, they have to be able to put their trust and their support financially behind you to prove that that you're worthy of their vote. And so um, financial support is the biggest thing that we need right now. We um, intend to win through the caucus system, so we have to put our money and our effort there because now we have to win at caucus um, against another candidate, which we were not expecting to have to do. Um, So that's going to take our money, and instead of using it to fight Perlmutter, we're going to have to use it to fight another Republican. And I think that that's... um, Never the best use of our money. All right. So, well, listen, well, 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 well
All right. I was going to say, and Sandra's put that link in our chat system. We should let her go. We should let her go. But but one last thing. I mean, I think yeah. I think the good the good news is when somebody comes into your race, they've looked at the ability and the possibility of beating Perlmutter and view it as a possibility, yeah. or they wouldn't come in. Exactly. So. It is a possibility. Yeah. And we there all you know. know that. And I can tell you, we went to Washington, D.C., uh, we went to Washington, D.C. in December. We met with the NRCC. We met with several organizations and groups out there. And everyone in Washington knows this race is winnable and this race is, this race is flippable. What they are saying is that it's the defeatist attitude in Colorado that is making us win, lose races wow. and causing us not to win. And we know that. We know that that's true because we have defeatists at every level in our party leadership from the county all the way to the top of the state. And they don't they're rhinos and they don't want to put in the work because they just want to buy their place and their power. And well, they feel, they Washington, D.C. knows that we can win. They feel much closer to Democrats than they do grassroots Republicans. And I've Absolutely seen they do. And, and this, this is, this is the battle lines have now been drawn. This is really going to come down to um, grassroots Trump Republican policies yes. Yes. versus the rhino establishment. It's just going to be a repeat of 2016 all over again, but it's going to happen in the heart of Jefferson County. Yes. All right, right, Laura. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you guys very much. You bet. All right. Feel better. All right. Thank you. Laurel Imer there. Sandra put the link up. Thanks, Sandra. It's Laurel Imer for Congress. Just some of the comments here. I'm with Sandra. I agree. Eric Oglin's a good guy, but I don't want him there either. Um, KBB from Charlene is a gatekeeper in the problem. Um, Charlene also rhinos running the race now because it's winnable. Um, I so many comments there, but, um, we want to, I want to switch gears because we want to talk about some other, some national stuff going on. One of the things that's very interesting, um, is Twitter. I mean, a bunch of things are happening. So Twitter bans uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, for tweeting about VAERS, which is a government, you know, vaccine adverse, um, COVID information, disinformation, disinformation. Facebook then today went ahead and banned her. We Twitter's had- banned her. Facebook bander, YouTube bander. Now, we favorite. were banned from YouTube a long time ago. Yeah, Rand yeah. Paul says he's quitting YouTube for Rumble. Let me get a little bit of self-promotion out there. So a lot of these people are moving to a new, it's kind of like a Twitter slash parlor. It's called Getter, G-E-T-T-R.com. I think it was started by one of a former Trump guy. Yes. Um, we have now joined that too. So you can follow us on Twitter until they ban us. You can follow us on Parlor. We're also on Getter, G-E-T-T-R.com. It's just Chuck and Julie if you just search Chuck and Julie. Um, So what's happening is all of this banning is starting to have an impact. And wanted to talk about Joe Rogan's interview with Robert Malone. On December 31st. But what's interesting about this, let me throw out some numbers to you guys. So Joe Rogan averages 11 million viewers a show, kind of like us. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, he's now got 8.2 million followers. This is from Charlene Mm -hmm. on Getter. Okay, so following him, you've got Tucker Carlson at like 3.2. So, you know, the fourth basically, followed by the five, Hannity, Primetime on Fox, and Laura Ingram. So the top shows are all either Joe Rogan or the Fox programs. The final oh, what, ones what, what are, are... What are you talking about? What is in terms of viewers, the most viewers. Oh. So you got Rachel Maddow, MSNBC, and CNN. All of their viewers put together barely um, come to what Tucker Carlson has, right? Um, let alone Joe Rogan combined with all the other Fox people. So the good news is the more they try to silence people, the more people are turning to these alternate sources. But wanted to talk a little bit about, about what Dr. Rogan, Well, I want to talk about first what, okay. what, what this banning has really done. I mean, it, it has made um, Malone a huge uh, underground figure. Um, the, it's a three-hour broadcast. It's we read the transcript, which takes you an hour anyway to read. It's incredibly dense. Um, but whatever they were planning to do, um, they 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 failed uh, miserably. It's just an example of how to do it wrong. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're actually secretly Trump supporters. I'm beginning to think that. Do you guys ever think that? That maybe mm-hmm. actually Twitter and Facebook are like, oh, we actually like Trump because they seem to be doing everything they can. Well, to- Galileo came out with a, a theory that the uh, Earth moved around the sun. And people don't quite get that story with Pope Urban VIII. Originally, uh, Pope Urban VIII and the Jesuits strongly supported Galileo. And then Galileo published a book, Dialogues, in which he mocked and made fun of the Pope and the Jesuits. 
And so they said, okay, uh, you want to see who's, <laughs> who's a big dog? We'll throw you in front of an inquisition. And in lieu of uh, being burned alive, uh, he recanted. He said, oh, I was wrong. It was totally wrong. But, you know, 400 years later, it's still one of the great black marks against the church. It was a public relations disaster for the church and remains so 400 years later. And I think this is similar. I mean, here they, they think that they can threaten you with banishment. Right. Um, and, and so what's happened is, again, so now 11 million people, some 40 million, there have been some 40 million downloads, right? So that tells you a couple of things. Number one, it tells you people get that the government isn't telling us the truth. I mean, that, just look at the CDC flip-flop in the last two weeks, right? If you went to bed Friday, you thought, okay, we have to quarantine for five days and we don't have to be tested when we come out. Well, Fauci yesterday says, oh, wait, people didn't like that. The media didn't like that. So we're rethinking that it's like nothing to do with the science. People want to know what's going on. Well, it's bizarre. I mean, any other time out of the present time, the idea was, you know, expose the fallacious thinking or put it to to a, a debate, and that was the way you got it. Now the left says, no, we're that was only when we it. were in the minority. Right. And now that we can squash everybody, we'll go with the other one. But I wanted to go over some of the key points, just so you have them, right? And again, this is, I'm not saying this guy is right. I'm not saying it's well, wrong. I, I'm, I'm saying he certainly appears to be right on, on several of the issues that I know something about. And, and none of his issues, he is not a particularly radical thinker. Well, he's answering. No, he's an immunologist, right? Who just well, you, could, you could be, you know, you could be a Lynn Wood or something. You know, but what I mean go, though is, he wasn't a political figure that that no, you no. know. It's, but but he still could be a wacky figure. He's but not then, like Dr. Jill. It's not like Dr. Jill. And do we have that small soundbite? We do, but know? I want to. Okay, here, yeah, here's let, a little. Let him, here's let a here's a clip from the uh, Malone interview. Thomas, if you could play the Malone soundbite, please. risk factor um, for this whole spectrum of adverse events but even if they get jabbed even though that's known there's so many people out there telling people who've just recovered from covid to get vaccinated it is um there is a number of things here that um are not supported by the science i'll say gently um to be less gent since gentle since we're on the joe rogan show i can speak freely it's nucking futs this is just wrong. It's not consistent with the data. Well, it's it doesn't make sense either. What we know about natural immunity is that natural immunity, at least according to that study in Israel, which is like, what, 2.5 million people, I think? They said that it's between 6 and 13 times more effective than the vaccine. That is 6 or 13 times more effective in hospitalized, preventing hospitalized COVID. It's more like 20 or 27-fold, yeah, 27-fold better at protecting against developing the disease. Remember, infection yep. does not equal disease. Right. Um, and that's only one of over 140 studies that document that natural immunity is superior to the vaccine-induced immunity. And oh, by the way, as a vaccinologist and an immunologist, I wouldn't expect anything different. Yeah, I mean, that's a key thing, right? I right, mean, so right. that's why none of them want to talk about natural immunity. But, so but, let's, go- let's, let's just go over his demeanor, his, the way he speaks and the way he looks. Nothing out of him comes across as wacky. And that's why I think they, they've taken him off the air because nobody would listen to that guy and go, oh, there's a clear nut job. <laughs> no. um, well, and he doesn't. When you, if you, look, when you read the transcripts or listen to the whole interview, you can, um, yeah, there are times when he says, well, I don't know. You know, Rogan throws him a question and, and if he wanted to make stuff up or exaggerate, he would have. But here, let me just go over the natural immunity because I just wanted to get some of the things that he said out there because they don't want you to hear this, okay? So he said the evidence is clear that number one, if you have natural immunity, it's up to 20 times more effective at preventing you from developing the disease, six to 13 times more effective than preventing hospitalizations. Okay. That's natural immunity. Now, if you have had COVID, okay, and natural immunity and recovered, the other thing that they don't want you to know about, and this is why Marjorie Taylor Greene has been banned, is that there is a lot of evidence that if you've had, if you have natural immunity and then get the vaccine, you have a higher risk of an adverse vaccine effect. And and Dr. Malone knows because he said he had COVID way at the beginning, right? And then he got the vaccine when it first came out. And he said he was incredibly sick. He had all of the adverse effects, not all of, but many that they're talking about. And he said they don't want 
wanted to let you know that. And then he said, we're seeing, a, this is a quote, a coordinated media warfare, the level of which we have never seen before. They don't want you to know about the adverse effects. There was another thing he talked about that they don't want you to know about. He said there have been a half million, what he called excess deaths due to the U.S. government intentionally well, let's blocking. Go, let's, let me finish well, the well, sentence. Well, let, no, let me, Intent- that's a different, a different subject. Let's finish this of off. The natural immunity? Okay. The natural immunity. The other one that's not going to do is how long does natural immunity last compared to uh, vaccines? These vaccines last very short periods of time, very short periods of time, sometimes maybe a month. And that's all the good natural immunity. There are people who had the immunity to the Spanish influenza for almost 80 to 90 years. So right. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just extraordinary that, that for whatever reason, and I'm not really sure why, well, I guess they yeah, do, know we do why. know why. Um, they, they, they don't want natural immunity because they want to force everybody to take the shot. Well, and I'm saying again, and the reason they, they also don't want a control group. Okay. So let's go though. Cause and if you think the government isn't evil, if you think the government, if you think that Joe Biden and Dr. Fauci would risk your life to protect <laughs> their butts, I mean, hello, that's not even a hard one, right? A half million excess deaths, according to Malone, due to the U S government intentionally blocking early treatment. And who was the people who came up with this? two people connected to big pharma another thing he pointed out that i was unaware of one of the fact checkers on twitter is reuters right well there was somebody on reuters who sits on the board of pfizer so what do you think i mean that to me seems like a conflict but what they're talking about is ivermectin basically ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine but they prevented people from doing that they've also according to santos they are preventing Places like Florida and other places. DeSant, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis from, from getting um, monoclonals. Mono, no. no. Monoclonals. Yeah, but that other treatment. The mono, the mono treatment. Well, basically, um, bottom line is the government is actively they, well, working they, to prevent you from getting effective well, well, treatment. The, the government went and bought it all. Right. So, so they gave themselves their own monopoly. Um, and then they followed it up. Uh, with preventing places like Florida from getting it. So they're just killing people left and right. And it's really... Well, and here's why. And again, another thing too, which is something we've been saying, and you guys have been saying for a long, he said, one of the reasons that we have so many cases and things like that is there is a definite, there's been a financial incentive to hospitals to report deaths as COVID. They get like $3,000 for COVID death. They get like $30,000 if they have somebody go on the ventilator. We had somebody flat out, one of Peg Cage's friends had a, a relative who died of a heart attack here in Colorado, and the coroner put it down as a COVID death. Right. And it's monoclonal. Monoclonal antibody treatment. <laughs> so you, monoclonal. But anyway, so they they put it down as a COVID death. And the coroner said, because I get more money, I get reimbursed for that. So there was a definite financial incentive to hospitals to go along with this whole thing. And as the Dr. Malone pointed out, all of our baseline data is junk. I mean, think about that again. All of our baseline data is junk. All of the things that we've been making these decisions on is junk. Now we have some questions. This is from Jacob. How many people at Facebook, Twitter, and Google got the vaccines and then got Omicron? How many people at these companies got this monoclonal therapy, um, did not get any of the COVID's flu? We'll never know, right? This from Steve. I heard a doctor say the antivirals are going to be priced so high, insurance won't cover them, like $3,000. Um, and then Dr. Donna, the, the shots stir things up unnaturally and create a, a psychotine storm, et cetera, et cetera. We're seeing a large number of autoimmune issues when you have had, quote, it and then get the shot, not recommended. The medical community ought to know better. They don't care. If and, no, and Charlene, suppressing treatment is most evil. Well, Charlene, let's go back to the whole thing, right? There, there was no, you know, what gain of function research? Well, of course there was. So basically, Dr. Fauci and the people he supports create this virus that is then loosed upon the world. Rather than using science, they start jumping all over the case. They inflate the numbers. Pharmaceutical companies are in on it. Hospitals are in on it. Big time donors are in on it. The um, Like they said, it's a media war for the likes of which we've never seen. Any other voice is silenced immediately, shut down. Um, they're trying to remove these doctors to get their licenses taken away. I mean, they pull out all the Well, that's another thing this. he's going in there. And I think that his guys from McDonald, they're hunting doctors doctors right. who, who disagree with them they're trying to take their licenses they're trying to get them kicked off boards they're literally hunting them hunting them down i mean it's 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 amazing stuff and and you have a president who is so senile 
that none of them, uh, none of it reaches him. No, and this is from, let's see, from Stephen. Um, unintended consequences are two of my favorite words. The vaccine proves that, and yet Trump is 100% behind it. He needs to put his ego aside and see what is really happening. You know what, I gotta, I gotta tell you, Steve, again, I, I think when this all started, Trump was caught unawares. He was being given bad advice that was self-promoting advice, self-financially uh, profitable advice from his health people like Dr. Fauci. But I agree with you. I think that Trump, there's there's no way Trump's going to back away from the vaccines. Well, um, he, he, uh, he, at least he said, talk to your doctor. I, I mean, I'll, I'll give him that, right. um, which to me is a bottom line. I think as this doctor said, Dr. there's D- Dr. Donna says currently Dora, which is Department of Regulatory Agencies, is after healthcare providers. I don't doubt it. I oh, doubt well, because again, they they lied to us. They manipulated the data. I mean, again, as Michael Tao pointed out over and over and over, that um, this is a disease or an illness that is ninety nine point nine percent survivable. Right. And the people who are not surviving it, for the most part, have, as Dr. Malone said, four or more significant comorbidities. And then he talked about the things that they're not letting you know about the adverse reactions. Um, You know, Mayor Hancock, who's, you know, got double vaccine, had the, you know, the booster shot has COVID, right? So in the meantime, there's like, so you have to go ahead and get the vaccine. You know, they're talking about locking down schools over what is essentially a cold, right? Essentially a cold, um, which is ridiculous. Uh, They don't shut the schools down for colds. Yes, they do. (laughs) Well, I mean, so, and the biggest thing is though, that I want you guys to think about too, is just bottom line, um, they've lied to us. They just, they flat out lie to us well, and they continue to point out the lies. And that's why you see the AOC. Oh, you just want to date me. Um, you know, partying in Florida. If, if she, well, well, she knows Hancock that Hancock would no, like to join her. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They all, well, remember when Hancock was telling everybody, we have to stay home and he was flying out of town when yeah. this whole thing first yeah, started. Texas, so they are, they are lying to you. Um, and a little bit of time. Well, here's the, here's the, here's a good thing about lying to you. Um, politics is, is a great deal like poker when, you, when you've done politics. One of the keys to, not, uh, to being a good poker player and winning money rather than losing money is you quickly fold bad hands. Um, and the Democrats used to be pretty good about that. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi would fold a bad hand incredibly quickly. Here, they, they're hanging on uh, to COVID for dear life. They got a, they got a hand of a couple pair and they're just hoping that third card is going to appear. But the more often they do it, the longer it may appear. But the longer they do it, the, the more it hurts them. And I'm sure there's, there are people, and I know there are people like Governor Polis, who go, this is insane. Yeah, We can't keep on over. doing this. Emergency yeah, over. And this is from Charlene. They're gearing up for mail-in balloting. I think so, Charlene. That's one of the things they're gearing up. Um, and as Stephen says, that the vaccines are safe and effective, why are they worried about someone not being jabbed? Well, and the thing is, is they acknowledge now that the vaccines don't work, right? right. They, they acknowledge that, you know, okay, so before it was like a vaccine of the um, un- unvaccinated, a, a pandemic of the, un-vac- or the unvaccinated, unvaccinated, now they know it's not because they're all getting it, right? right. Oh, this is from Leo. If you sneeze on an all-male ballot, a mail-in ballot, when they throw it out, <laughs> yes. Depends on which party you're on. And from Mark, if the vaccines are safe, why do they have to get freedom from lawsuits? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, And that's apparently one of the reasons that they want to have the kids get vaccinated now, because that extends the emergency for some reason. And it's I'm not totally clear on that, but but apparently that's one of the reasons they're pushing that. Um, And this Dr. Malone is like, no, don't get your kids vaccinated. He said, he said, there's all particularly as we go through Omicron. The other thing you said, which is why I like the guy, I mean, if he didn't know, he didn't know, there was a little bit of discussion about Omicron. And he was saying that it's not clear yet whether if you have natural, it's clear that if you have the vaccine, you're not protected from Omicron. Um, What's not clear is if you have natural immunity, are you protected? You're probably not any more than you're you're protected against the common cold. There is no vaccine for the common cold. So highly transmittable. Uh, minor symptoms almost never do vaccines work. Um, and so that's what Omicron is. And Omicron is the greatest thing in the world for the Democrats. And they've, they've looked that gift horse in the mouth and totally blown it. 
Right. Uh, if you go on CNN, they talk about, oh, no, New York governor says we're, we're totally screwed. You know, it's it's going to be we're in a bad place. I mean, they're just unbelievable. Well, and speaking of then lies, I want to switch to something else, too, about another lie. As you know, we should say to everybody, happy January 6th week. Mm-hmm. The Democrats have a series of events planned for this festivities. week. Festivities, festivities, festivities. Um, and Byron York, I recommend you read it in the new and the Washington Examiner had a real really interesting analysis of what's what's really kind of going on. I mean, he's he's pointing it out. It, it's it's part of an overall and I think he's probably right strategy they have all aimed at trying to prevent Trump from running. And Liz which is Cheney, the, which is the dumbest thing in the world, because I'm all for Donald Trump running. But but there would be other candidates. And I think DeSantis is probably the one right. who would have a lot more of a, of a chance. So they if they somehow succeed. And getting Trump so he yeah. can't run. I mean. <laughs> That'd be the worst thing that could happen to him, probably. But but Liz Cheney, in an interview with George Stephanopoulos, so that says all you need to know, I think they spilled the beans a little bit on what the strategy is. So, Thomas, if we could play the Liz Cheney soundbite, please. Is his failure to make that statement criminal negligence? You know, uh, I think that, that there are a number of, as the chairman said, uh, potential criminal statutes uh, at issue here. Uh, but I think that, that there's absolutely no question that it was a dereliction of duty. Uh, and, and I think one of the things the committee needs to look at as we're looking at a legislative purpose is whether we need enhanced penalties for that kind of dereliction of duty. Uh, but, but I think it's also important for the American people to understand how dangerous Donald Trump was. Uh, we know as he was sitting there in the dining room next to the Oval Office, uh, members of his staff were pleading with him to go on television to tell people to stop. We know Leader McCarthy uh, was pleading with him to do that. We know members of his family. We know his daughter. We have firsthand testimony uh, that his daughter, Ivanka, uh, went in at least twice uh, to ask him to please stop this violence. Uh, any man who would not do so, any man who would provoke a violent assault on the Capitol to stop the counting of electoral votes, any man who would watch television as police officers were being beaten, uh, as as his supporters were invading the capital of the United States, is clearly unfit for future office, uh, clearly can never be anywhere near the Oval Office uh, ever again. And that's mm. part of the strategy. So let's break that down a little bit, because that sounds great, right? I mean, except for none of it's true. None of it's true at all. Elizabeth Cheney has been making a big deal about some 187 minutes between the time Trump was giving his speech and then at 4.17 that afternoon, he posted a video, right? And she's trying to pretend that Trump didn't do anything in the meantime. That's the dereliction of duty that she's talking about there, right? That's a potential criminal violation, except for the fact that's not true. Donald Trump was tweeting out before that. First, he said in his speech, be peaceful. Then he was tweeting, he tweeted out, go at stop, you know, be peaceful, be peaceful. Well, they and were- then he Post the video. So well, they were just... checking videos inside of, of of the halls of Congress. So it wouldn't have made any difference whether you went on a video or right. not. Right. I mean, so that's all just stupid. But this is what what Byron York says, and I think there's some truth to that. What they're getting at here is a one is a Fourteenth Amendment. And Chuck, you're the constitutional scholar, um, but they're making the thing. So I think ideally, the Congressional Committee is not a criminal investigative body, right? Um, but what they can do is make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. We're having more evidence come out that there are FBI agents provocateur in there, DOJ agitating commandos. the crowd, DOJ commandos, stirring things up, right? We've got not police officers being beaten, but videotape of police officers beating people, police officers shooting and killing Trump supporters, right? So that's the reality of the situation. We have a Department of Justice where the FBI agent and the Department of Justice and members of Congress and everyone went along with the fake Russia investigation, which they knew was a lie from the beginning. Does anyone here have any doubt that if they felt like it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we need to investigate Donald Trump for a crime? Oh, and the 14th Amendment says that you can't run for office if you're insurrectionist. In fact, they prevented any Confederate soldier from voting until the... um end of uh, Reconstruction in 1876. Well, that's what the um, 14th Amendment is based on, but that's well, why, guys... On, but it doesn't matter, because this is all... You have all the Brookings Institute lawfare slash lawfare guys going over everything they can come up with in the world to try to figure out, you know, how to... And, and, and it's stupid. It, it is it's once again a desperate act by people who want to go on the offense 
but can't seem to do well, it. Well, we'll get into why I think it won't work. But that, I think, though, is their strategy. That's why they keep using the word insurrection, because they want to try to get Trump saying, and, and again, you can see with Liz Cheney, they have no qualms about just like lying about the evidence. Zero qualms. Like the Steele dossier. Oh, yeah. You know, it's Very. totally, we've totally verified. It hasn't been unverified. Well, we just leave out the word not verified right. in, in the FISA court. Well, warrant. I mean, Liz Cheney at this point has become a just an amazing figure. Uh, that that everyone, well, not everyone, um, everyone in the Republican Party hates, except for Ken Buck, who's, right. who's yeah, yeah. who thinks he's just great. Well, or Kevin Lundberg, not Kevin Lundberg, not he's Kevin, great. Leave um, Kevin Dave, um, Doug Lamborn, Doug Lamborn, Doug Lamborn, yeah. Lamborn um, who wouldn't vote against her. But here's something else. I'm talking about. So the Fourteenth Amendment. If you have been involved in an insurrection, right, then you can't run for office. This is interesting. Mark Elias, who's a Democrat operative with. Um, He's with Lawfare, right? Well, he was with um, Perkins Coy. Perkins Coy, which and is the left, and he left. And I don't know. If he he's the one who came up with the whole concept of the Steele dossier, right? Yeah. He was the intermediary with the still the fake Steele dossier that the Clinton campaign made up. He had tweeted recently. This is a quote: "My prediction for 2022: Before the midterms, we will be having a serious discussion about whether certain Republican Congress members are disqualified for running for office again by Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment." We may see litigation. So keep in mind, Lawfare is this Democrat operative organization well, it's, it's that former, specializes it's, it's in former litigation. Department of Justice lawyers um, who are all gathered together under Brookings, and they give. If you check Lawfare, it's very intelligently done. But you know, so they're always going on for some legal remedy to anything else, you know, the world's problems, um, and and they're just amazing. Um, well, but that's part, this is part of their strategy then. Now, I don't think it's going to work. And we'll talk about that in a second, but part of the strategy, cause I've been like, why the poll, I mean, ABC comes out with a fake poll. that says 70% of the people think that, you know, that, that the insurrection was an insurrection, blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. 70% of the people are watching football or, you know, doing new year's Eve parties, things like that. Um, and they, I think there've been other polls that show that people are over it, right? Well, polls people, are polls. Yeah, mean. exactly. Polls are polls. But this is one of the things, and it's going to be one of many tactics they take, but that Trump can't run because he was part of an insurrection. You're going to have the Department of Justice, I bet you, because it's so corrupt, determine that Trump was involved um, in a And in they'll a take it down to the D.C. Circuit. It'll take it up to the Ninth Circuit. It'll, and then and then whether the Supreme Court, which are all they'll say Jim Jordan. Well, let me speak, oh. will you? Um, uh, DC court, <laughs> DC circuit. Yeah, overwhelmingly democratic, and so they'll they they'll say he can't run. Then it'll come to the Supreme Court. But it, it's the kind of desperate move. Try to prevent people from running. Don't let democracy uh, go. And they say it's a threat to our democracy. What democracy is that? So it's it's an amazing. Well, when thing. Mark Elias says you may see litigation over this, it's like hello. I mean, I think you can yeah. take it to the bank. You're going to see the Democrats try to use legal maneuvers to prevent people from. Um, actually getting which on the is, ballot. Which, once again, is is uh, legally, who knows, but politically, it's a disaster. Here's exactly. And, just a disaster. and let's get into that. I mean, because I, I think one, number one, People are over a president. Trump hasn't been around for a year. This insurrection was over a year ago, no matter how many news conferences not they yet, have. Nobody's yet. watching the mainstream media anymore, so they can push this narrative all they want. No one cares, right? There are more people watching Tucker Carlson talk about the FBI involvement right. than there are in all of the other media organizations put together trying to ram the insurrection down our throats. What people care about is crime. People care about inflation. People care about education. So I personally think it's a good idea for the Democrats to keep pursuing this, right? Because go for it, right? And then like you say, if Trump doesn't win, I mean, I think it's a loser, don't you? It's a loser one way or the other, because ultimately the whole purpose of it is power and power they seek and power they're throwing away because no one wants to vote for people who don't let you vote for who you want. I mean, that's what they do in Russia. Say, no, you're disqualified. You can't run against Putin. And to try it here is just, everybody gets it. Everybody gets right. it. You know, you're terrified of, of people. And it's, it's the kind of thing that the Democratic Party is doing way too much these days. I mean, they, somebody came out and said, had a wonderful article on, you know, the Democratic Party is a party of Karens. Hispanics are running away from it. Democrat. Uh, Blacks are running away from it, but white liberal women, unmarried white liberal women, um, are, are embracing them, or just Karens. And, right. and there's 
There's, you know, it, it is not a pleasant look. Um, no. And they're not, well, it. and again, I, I, here's what I think is starting to catch up with them. The Democrats have lied for so long and so often that they, and they've gotten away with it, that they think it doesn't really matter at all. Um, and, and Stephen's got a good point. We'll get to that in a second. And I think that's what you see with AOC partying down in Florida. I mean, so she leaves New York City, which is locked down. You can't go anywhere without a mask. You can't go into, you have to have a vaccine, all of this Passport. kind of stuff. Passport, businesses are being hurt. People are being hurt. And what does she do? And the weather's cold. She goes down to Florida and parties without a mask, kissed on the mouth at this, you know, um, some kind drag of bar. At a drag bar. Right. She's not worried about it, nor does she think the rules apply to her. The rules apply to the people serving her. The rules apply to the people driving her around. The rules apply to the guy who opens the door at her apartment or wherever she lives. Right. But the rules don't apply to her. The Democrats think that no one notices that. Um, And maybe for a long time they didn't, but now you're talking about things that hit people directly. So people notice, I mean, it may not hurt her in New York city. Okay. But people around the country are like, they're lying again, right? They're, they're, they're hammering down on us while they're lying again. All you got to do is look at what was the wealth of the world's biggest, wealthiest people increase by like $342 billion over the last year. I mean, think about 342 billion dollars while the overall wealth of the middle class declined. And people get that. AOC, her her wealth has gone up and she thinks, oh, people don't care if I'm partying or she doesn't care that they care. Um, No, she cares about both, but that's not going to stop her from partying. Right. Um, Because it's never going to go, those pictures of her partying down in Florida are never going to go in the New York papers other than the post no, but and this not is not going to go on NBC, ABC and all the rest of them. And here's why we have to remain vigilant and keep the fight going. This is from Stephen. As long as Dominion machines are being used, what faith do we have that it'll be a fair and free election in 2022 and 2024? You know, I think that is the thing, Stephen. And that's what Laurel Imer was right. People have woken up now to the whole issue of election integrity. But in part, I worry that's why the Democrats don't care because they're like, doesn't make a difference. We've got this locked up. You know, right. I, I think mm-hmm. that's a concern. Um, oh, this is from Leo. I think on party Friday, Dr. D needs to give us all shots of vodka or Jack. And from Mark, don't forget the scotch and tequila. <laughs> okay, we're planning Bring party Friday. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for us, everybody. Stay. Yeah, thank you, everybody. We appreciate you being on. I want to thank Laurel Imer and, and everyone who makes this broadcast work. So thank you again. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Uh,